Our scripture reading tonight is uh, 2 Peter 3, verses 17 and 18. And uh, here we've reached the last two verses of 2 Peter. Uh, there are some really, really big ideas packed in these verses. Um, entire books have been written on the topics in these verses, but my plan is not to preach a book or even a couple books to you. My plan is to finish the book in two sermons, uh, tonight and next Sunday night. Two verses, two sermons. Makes sense, right? And if that's too much for two verses, uh, just be thankful. I'm not preaching a book. Let's listen to God's holy and infallible word. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. A number of these words and themes um, we see earlier in the book, right at the beginning of our verses, dear friends, uh, is here again. Um, it's literally loved ones. Older translations put it elegantly with beloved, which is actually a little closer to what the word actually is than dear friends. Um, and we're reminded when he says, loved ones, beloved, uh, that this is Pastor Peter writing this letter, right? Uh, the one Jesus commissioned to care for his sheep and to feed the Lord's lambs. Uh, the good shepherd Jesus loves his sheep. And so do uh, the under-shepherds of the sheep. Pastors, elders, called to care for God's people uh, in local congregations like faith here. Peter writes everything in his two letters out of love and care for God's people. We've got teaching, instruction here. Um, we've got some strong words and warnings, and we also have many words of assurance and encouragement. And, and God's servants called to lead in the church, are also called to teach, to encourage, uh, to give comfort and assurance from God's word, and sometimes to, to warn the flock, to warn the sheep. But it's all out of love for the sheep. Peter says, since you already know this, and that takes us back to chapter 1, when he said, I will always remind you, and I think it right to refresh your memory. The Christian life is so much about remembering. The Bible says and uses that word again and again. A few selections from the Old Testament. Remember the wonders that he has done. That's First Chronicles. Ecclesiastes 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Job 36. Remember to extol his work. 
in Isaiah 46, verse 8, about who our great God is and what he's done, calls us to remember this, fix it in mind. 2 Timothy 2, remember Jesus raised from the dead. In worship, week by week, much of what we do is remembering, and that's in line to what God's word calls us to do. Um, in, our, in our devotional times, whether it's our alone time or we're with our families, um, we're remembering especially. It's, it's a lot of remembering. Um, our lives of faith, our life of faith as a church together, it's not about doing crazy and new and radical things. We're going back to Jesus again and again. And we are sharing the love of Jesus. Not that we never do that in new and fresh ways, but it's always the old, old story of Jesus and his love. The same gospel that the apostles proclaimed, that's proclaimed in this word, that's what we're about. The same God and his acts of salvation in history. Why is that so important, this remembering? Well, week by week in worship with God's people and regularly in our own devotional lives, we need to be reminded of what's what. <laughs> we need to be reminded of the truth. We all need to be reminded of the love of God. We need to be reminded and confronted with our sin and our need for Jesus. We need to be reminded of the infinite grace of our God because all week long we hear messages in our world and in our culture that compete with what the Bible says about who we are, who God is, and what the truth is. So, and this has been the case all throughout the history of God's people. So throughout all time, God's people need regular reminders. We need it to set our hearts and our minds straight again. To know who he says we are, not what the world would like us to believe about ourselves, and not even the lies that we sometimes can tell ourselves, right? Specifically, Peter reminds us at the end of this book three things. To be on our guard, to grow, and to give all the glory to Jesus. He says to be on our guard, and he speaks of the error of lawless men. And though this is about the false teaching of people who took freedom in Jesus... He died to set us free, but they took that freedom to mean they could live however they wanted to rather than living free in Jesus. And, and we, we can think, and people can think to do too, I'm saved, right? I know Jesus isn't going to let me go, so, so what if I, I fail a little too often in exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit to those around me. So, so what if I'm not uh, as gentle and kind and, and patient and joyful and all the rest as I know I should be? 
Who cares? I'm, I'm, I'm in a secure position. Who cares if I, I slack off at work or school regularly? Or who cares if I don't take care to keep the Sabbath day holy with my family? In those ways and in many, many more that are particular to each one of us and our own struggles, we can act like lawless people today too. Thinking to ourselves, God is gracious and forgiving. The Bible says it all the time. He loves me just as I am after all. But like Paul says here, it's an abuse of our Christian freedom when we go outside the bounds of what the Lord defines in his word about what it means to love him above all and love others as ourselves. That's the big picture of the life of freedom. And in the Ten Commandments, he details all of that and what that means. But it's an abuse of our Christian freedom if we go outside of those bounds. Um, We want to walk in gratitude for his great salvation on his paths of righteousness, not forge our own paths or make up our own, right? Peter has uh, forewarned us of false teaching, teaching, and because of the forewarning, he's also forearming us. He wants us to be on guard. Like Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Uh, We must be on guard. We must be armed because there will be and there is false teaching and living. And because people in the church, we can even get carried away by it. It can trip us up. It can hurt us, says Peter. He even, did you notice he says here, He talks about being carried away and falling from our secure position of all things. So this lawlessness and the need to be on guard is serious business. Falling away from our secure position, that that seems to go against what we know of God's word, that Nothing can snatch us out of Jesus' hands, and it seems to go against the doctrine that's a very dear one of the perseverance of the saints. But we have this here, the talk about possibly falling away from our secure position. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. In Hebrews 2 verse 1, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So that's a, another passage. Hear what we have been taught. Remember this so we don't drift away. Because of other verses, like nothing can snatch us out of his hand, um, my suggestion is that these verses, this verse here, these other verses, are not about our ultimate security in Christ. They're not about our ultimate status of being saved, but they're telling us that a Christian life can be more or less stable, more or less secure. You can be a Christian 
but a weak one. It's possible to be a Christian that is less than secure in the sense that uh, you could be easily led by false teaching and false living and error, um, and even one who might lead others into error by a poor lifestyle or because we've got a poor knowledge of God's truth. But Peter's saying, don't let that happen. Be strong Christians. Be on your guard. Be secure. And we know that Peter knows what he was talking about. He speaks of a secure position. But he was not always secure. He was not always stable. Peter seems quite clearly to have been a man of God uh, from the beginning, a believer in the Lord, but he was unstable. He was always going to extremes in the Gospels. Uh, He would bear witness to Christ in in one witness in in a powerful and courageous way. And uh, the next, he would argue with Jesus. He wouldn't let Jesus wash his feet, but then he wanted to be washed all over. He promised to defend his Lord Jesus. He promised to even die with him. But he didn't have the courage to acknowledge that that he was a follower of Jesus to a mere servant girl. Although he always belonged to the Lord, he was less secure, but he became more secure, and eventually, after many ups and downs, by God's grace, he finally seems to have lived up to his name, which means the rock. This happened to him, and it can happen to us too, by growing as a Christian, and that brings us to our second G, Really, the only way to avoid slipping and falling back is to grow in the Christian life. And that it makes me think a little bit of, of riding a bike. In this sense, when you're riding a bike, you have to move forward, right? Or you're going to fall. You can't just sit still there balancing. It's not possible to balance without that forward movement. And that's just like our Christian life. And and so we have this call in the book, now here at the end, to grow. And it's all throughout the New Testament. You're either growing in the Christian life or you're falling. There's no sitting still and it just doesn't work that way. And, And so in order not to be carried away, we must be growing. And, and the idea of Christian growth, it's about sanctification. We see, as we look earlier in Second Peter, it's about holiness. It's about living for Jesus. Peter calls us to that growth, that type of growth, again and again. What's involved in growing as a Christian? What does it mean? Well, 
it reminds us, for one, that Christianity is about life, and it's about receiving new life, because all life involves growth. Our lives, our Christian life, again, like all other forms of life, should lead to growth, or there's something wrong. The tiniest seed, the tiniest animal, the tiniest stages of an embryo, a baby in the womb, all of these things under good circumstances grow, and if they don't, there's something seriously wrong. And I wonder... How much do we think about our Christian life as, in terms of growth? Like Peter says here, growing, and we read many other places that, it's, that, we are, that our lives as Christians are capable of growth, that we are supposed to be growing. If that's not like a key definition of our faith and life, it's not the right view of the Christian faith. The Christian faith is about life, right? New life, and all life involves growth by its very nature. Another aspect of this growth is, can I trace my growth in the Christian life? And if I look back 5, 10, 20 years, have I grown since then? And um, looking back over the last day or even week or month, frankly, isn't always helpful because Christian growth is a process. It's gradual. You don't go from being a baby to a full-grown, mature adult overnight. And Christian growth is gradual, sometimes week by week, day by day, even month by month. It's not even perceptible. And as you know uh, from your own life, I'm sure, we even fall back back sometimes. Uh, But it's important for us to realize, uh, because otherwise we'll certainly get discouraged, that this is a long-term process. Uh, We can, and we do, and people do sometimes make sudden leaps in in spiritual growth, um, and that's definitely possible. God sends His Spirit in special and dynamic ways, but Christian growth overall, normally, is gradual and it's lifelong. So that's a long, long period if we live a long time. But it is growth, so we should be able to see progress over time. That's what growth is. Increase. We grow in grace, and also we grow in knowledge, writes Peter. And both of those are important. Growing in God's grace involves knowing that we're a special object of God's favor and of his love and kindness. And so we ask ourselves, am I increasingly aware of the favor and the kindness of my God for me? Am I learning more about it? Am I studying and immersing myself in these realities that the Bible tells us about? Am I growing in understanding the truth about God, the doctrines of the Word of God, the knowledge of God, what He's done, and what He's doing today through His Word and Spirit? And it's not just knowledge about Him. 
right? It's knowing Him. As a Christian, it's knowing facts, truth, the ideas of Jesus, but more so than any of that, it's knowing Him, Jesus, personally. I'm really blessed uh, to be married and have the wife that I do. And I was reflecting on this a little bit this week with her her birthday this past Monday. Um, Before knowing Sarah, I had an idea of a wife and what that was all about and how that might be pretty great. Uh, But it was more secondary knowledge from whatever, you know, books and and whatever. Um, But when that nice idea of a wife became an actual person, Sarah Ann DeVries, wow, what a difference that made. Knowing her, the person... More and more, knowing her makes me want to be who I'm called to be in relation to her, her husband, her best friend, her confidant, much more than just having a general idea of a spouse. But by God's grace, knowing Sarah... I think it's helped me grow into being a better spouse and person in general for her. And again, not all at once. Not that I never blow it or slip up or have, if you look at particular days or moments, you'll say, what are you talking about? You're growing. But in general, by God's grace, over the long haul, I believe there's been growth. And we'll have that same growth in our Christian life, again, over the long haul, by God's grace, as we know Jesus more and as we want to please Him. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, as we've gone to Your Word tonight, um, You've brought before us um, a number of, of big and important ideas and thoughts and realities for your children um, through your Holy Spirit and down through the ages just as uh, the readers of Second Peter received these big and important ideas about, oh God, being on our guard so that we're not carried away by the error of lawless people and fall from our secure position and about growing in grace and knowledge and especially in the knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. Oh God, help us to wear and put on uh, the armor of God Help us uh, to grow in faith. Forgive us, Lord, when we mess up. We do way too often. But give us, uh, over time, may our lives, may our spiritual life be 
increasing and improving, O God, all by your grace and by your mercy. May that be happening uh, for each one of us, uh, whatever our situation in life. May it be happening uh, to us as a whole, as uh, the family of God here at Faith Church. Uh, We want to please you, Lord. We want to know you more. We want to glorify you. Help us to do that even uh, the rest of this night and in this week to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.